This podcast is proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm a guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've uh, spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle please get in touch with us on our facebook page follow us like us whatever it takes we would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as i know this industry is capable of hey gordon how's it going well here we go it's uh we're into December. We're thinking about wrapping up the year. It's uh, it's going well. I mean, all in all, I think uh, beginning to get a sense of green shoots, talking mm-hmm. to a lot of colleagues in the media industry and, and just generally getting a sense of green shoots, which is very, very encouraging way to wrap up the year. Yeah, I, th- I mean, same year, you know, Gordon. Uh, I mean, speaking to people, they are, you know, they kind of want to put 2020 behind them. I think a lot of people do mentally. And we're going to talk today with a very interesting guest around some of those aspects around around mental health and, and, and struggles of people. But a lot of people are saying, listen, enough now, you know. Uh, we want to move forward. We want to see some growth. We want to do stuff. And so, yeah, I guess, you know, like, like with most years, you know, you want to have a December break and then get back in Jan, revitalize. But just before we do that, Gordon, I mean, I see you in your shorts already. Jeez, you really are into the summery uh, season. I have, uh, <laughs> just as you have a face for radio, I have, I have legs for radio. Yeah, uh, Gordon, I mean, you've got your, your, your strong rugby legs, comrades' legs sticking out of your shorts there. So uh, just as well, i got my long pants on today. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that. Uh, I'm going to rather leave it to you to introduce our, yeah. our guest from Port Elizabeth. Yeah, enough talking nonsense from my hometown. Uh, Gordon, we're pleased to, to invite onto the show um, Roshni Gadja. Um, Roshni is a, a consultant in Port Elizabeth, got her own consulting business. And, and I guess one of the big challenges with the Eastern Cape historically is um, – is is the money and the and the and the industry and the and the, the business going on there. So it'll be very interesting to chat with her around the work of COVID this year. She was very involved with the local chambers and, and local businesses and government. And then also into next year. So Rajni, thanks very much for for your time and being with us. Well thanks Gordon and Doug for inviting me. It's an absolute pleasure to be chatting to you this afternoon. Yeah, I mean Port Elizabeth for me is uh a long and distant memory, but I mean, I went down uh, to work in Port Elizabeth when I was with McCann Erickson in those days. We were working on 
Goodyear and General Motors, which was big, big advertising spin in those days. And PE was a very important uh, center of advertising. I'm not entirely sure that that uh, residual remains. I think uh, a lot of that moved to the Western Cape. But yeah, so I have fond memories of uh, Port Elizabeth. I have less fond memories of playing for Crusaders against <laughs> Dispatch in Dispatch. Um, that was not necessarily the highlight of my year in uh, in Port Elizabeth. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, Russia. Just just talking a little bit, and, and, and let's get straight into it. I mean, you know, Gordon is referencing the motor trade, and I, you know, Port Elizabeth, my hometown. I went to school and university there. I worked. My first job was at Firestone in the motor industry. So I know it. I certainly knew it at that stage very well. What is it like? What was this year like? Has it been, uh, you know, a tough year? You've been working with local governments. So if you can just give us a synopsis, a quick sort of snapshot of of how twenty twenty went in the Eastern Cape. Yeah, sure, Doug. I mean, it's fantastic to hear that both of you have some memories and roots in PE. We always love chatting to people who have their hearts in PE still. Um, so, yeah, you know, just before lockdown, um, you know, there were concerns around the economic state of things. Um, there were rumors of retrenchments looming. Um, and economic buoyancy was almost already taking a tough turn then. Um, and at that stage, remember that we were also dealing with serious issues around uh, security of electricity supply, power outages, um, and of course, the water crisis. So as much as the Western Cape has gotten over the water crisis now, um, it has come to the Eastern Cape, and that's something we're still struggling with. So the challenges were there right before COVID, and then, yeah, COVID hit us, and we went straight into lockdown. And unfortunately, you know, like a lot of the country has dealt with COVID in its own way. You know, certainly the Eastern Cape hasn't been getting good press on that. I mean, what is the state of play now? How are the guys handling it and, and uh, what does it look like at the moment? Yeah, so Doug, it's just such an unprecedented situation and the scale of treatment and response required is something like we've never known before. So, you know, for me, what COVID has done is it certainly showed up the systemic flaws, not only in Port Elizabeth and South Africa, but across the global companies and people I've been speaking to. I mean, these issues have been pervasive in the system, and this year just showed up what those issues are. Um, you know, a little bit later, we can talk about the crisis response effort. I'll be happy to share some stories there. Um, but yeah, the Eastern Cape is battling. We've got one of the highest numbers of incidences um, at the moment, and the risk is quite high. I think from a coastal town perspective, as the holiday season looms, and as everyone, like you said, is looking forward to a December break, um, there's this trade-off between tourism and compliance around virus prevention. So we'll have to be quite careful and responsible around those. But yes, we do have challenges um, and since March, I think a lot has been done to try and address it. And, you know, most we're most grateful for the efforts of our frontline um, doctors, nurses and healthcare professionals who remain resilient and courageous up to today. Just coming back to, to the issue of tourism in the Eastern Cape, I mean, I don't get a sense of the Eastern Cape having a consolidated kind of tourist offering in the sense that perhaps uh, KZN has. I mean, KZN have been pushing it as a provincial destination for ages. Individual events. So two years ago, I went down to the Gravestown Festival. I guess now Makana Festival, um, whatever the correct name is, I'm probably getting that wrong. Um, but, 
you know, beyond the Grahamstown Festival and then the occasional test match in, in Port Elizabeth against the All Blacks, I think was the last time we played that, very successful. Is there a consolidated game plan to drive tourism into the Eastern Cape? I mean, there was a time when the Eastern Cape was a destination that you passed through on the way to Cape Town. You kind of diverted and you had a brilliant day day or so down there. What's, what's the big picture uh, in terms of driving tourism there? I think you've used an interesting word, is there a consolidated approach? And um, from the outset, there possibly could be a lot more work done to create a more cohesive approach to tourism, mainly starting with a vision of uh, what has what is the value proposition of the Eastern Cape and how do we make it attractive to tourists, um, etc., not only to get off the plane, get a hired car and drive through the garden route, but actually spend a few days here. So before lockdown, a lot of effort was actually um, invested and time was invested by the local business chamber to engage with, for example, the airports company, etc. And that's a key thing. I mean, in order to bring tourists ease of access to the city, we've got to look at our transport systems and, you know, your air routes and your connectivity from the major cities to PE is, of course, one of the things that we have to look at as a starting point. And then secondly, coordinate an approach between the Nelson Mandela Bay um, and Buffalo City to really um, showcase what we have. So both of you have spent time here and we've got such gorgeous natural assets, um, pristine beaches, um, friendly people, quality of service is excellent. Um, and absolute value for money. So those who do have the um, benefit of having spent a few days here, it's hard to leave. And in those few days, they certainly make some friends. Of course, our, one of our flagship events that we still have in the Nelson Mandela Bay is, of course, the Ironman. That couldn't happen uh, this year, but there are plans to, to do that last year. And that brings in a large number of not only the professional athletes, but also their families and friends who travel with them um, for the full Ironman and also the half Ironman, of course, that takes place in East London. Um, yes, we have the, the rugby matches and the cricket tours that's also happened, but there's also rich cultural heritage in the Eastern Cape. Like we have the Grahamstown Festival, you can see that to locals now that vibe is starting to pick up and the food culture in our city is also starting to pick up. Yeah, that's great. And I think, you know, a lot of that, you know, Gordon, you and I through the, the year and with guests have picked up some of those nuances and changes and appreciations of different things in, a, in an otherwise quite strange year. And again, you know, I'd urge people who uh, have the means. And, and, and again, we spoke, I remember a few weeks back, we spoke with uh, with Gail Schimmel around disposable income and what do people buy and, and who we to tell them what to buy. And a lot of people perhaps will go and enjoy a holiday if they've got that disposable income. And certainly if the Eastern Cape is, is a consideration, if it's not a consideration, I'd certainly like it to become a consideration on, on your set of holiday alternatives. Roshni, now just back um, a little bit away from leisure travel, you did quite a bit of work. Let's just talk about the, the Herald and the business webinars. You you guys were doing stuff in the height of COVID uh, around around getting people engaged, getting different industry leaders to, to, to talk about um, different initiatives. Can you just take us through some of the highlights of that? Yeah, sure. So um, just a bit of a background. I have a passion for media um, and I did that, you know, in in my personal time and capacity of a number of years. And what happened is over lockdown, um, as you mentioned, 
I had the privilege of working with the business chamber on a business-led COVID crisis response uh, team. And those efforts were really to support the designated hospitals in the city with the basic essential services, supplies that they needed, and to coordinate those efforts. Um, so our role there was quite pivotal in terms of uh, leveraging our networks and our ability to solve problems in a cohesive way to try and, and you know, bring the hospitals the requirements that they needed, of course, uh, supported fully by the chamber and colleagues there. So being part of this, and it was quite an intense process, we started the day lockdown started uh, with a joint operations committee, and that included a number of top business leaders in the city. And it was amazing to see how they rolled their sleeves up um, and the, the corporate walls and identities were broken down because we had a social crisis. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing to see how business combined efforts and really collaborated to respond as best possibly they could. So this was a context that we were spending about 12 to 15, maybe more hours a day uh, working with, all on a pro bono basis because it was for a good purpose. Mm -hmm. um, and then when one switches the TV on, reads the newspaper or listens to um, the radio, um, we hear stories that are painting quite a polarized view. Of course, the risks and the devastation um, and the uncertainty raise significant discomfort, concerns, and real issues on the ground. But with that was, were also good stories that needed to be told because in any times of uncertainty, you know, from a leadership's perspective, the the most useful ingredient in a situation like that to help maintain focus and actually try and get through to the other side is hope. Um, and so this, I thought, you know, needed to be brought to the attention. So I had quite a meaningful engagement um, with the management team at the Herald and Daily Dispatch. And those are the oldest newspapers in South Africa. And we were just having a general conversation. I was giving and my observations around what's happening in the work we were doing um, through the business response teams and what we were reading in the paper. And there's somewhere in the middle, some things weren't being said, which perhaps could give um, readers a different perspective. So that really um, general conversation led to the Herald inviting me to run it started off with one business talk show just to talk about the work being done. And that landed up being a series of uh, talk shows called Business 360, which we started in June and we did our last episode in October. And that covered really interesting themes. We focused this on the vision of building better, linking it to sustainability objectives as best we could. And rather having these conversations led by professional thought leaders to try and create solutions to the problems we had. So we covered some really interesting topic in the areas of the economy, employment, youth employment, um, education, leadership, and then a really interesting one on future-proofing the Eastern Cape economy um, and looking at scenarios for a better future. The most recent one was on leadership. And, you know, what do leaders do now to try and create um, a vision that pulls people into a different future and co-create 
a solution for the problems that we're facing right now, giving people um, the opportunity to contribute to the um, problem-solving exercise through innovative solutions, um, and also making sure that in the solutions we put forward, uh, they actually do address the sustainable development goals and create better inclusivity than we've had in our previous normal. So those webinars were really a privilege to host. And it was great that those that we invited to speak on those webinars did so, um, you know, without any hesitation. Mm. And, you know, the interesting thing was the response we got. We had about seven and a half to 8,000 people listening into our shows, which was quite rewarding. That's amazing. Yeah, and, and just, Roshni, for people who've maybe missed it, how do I get hold of it? Is it on YouTube? Is it on your website? Where, where do I go for that? You're listening to The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media. Yes, so you're welcome to go to www.stratoscute.co.za and click on the YouTube tab. It'll take you to our channel. All the Business 360 webinars are there, as well as our internal webinars, which we call Lift As We Rise. And the principle of Lift As We Rise is really to provide a digital platform to connect thriving businesses with uh, peers and stakeholders for the purpose of brand promotion and also to tell us more about what their purpose is. Um, so you can find all those webinars on our YouTube channel. Yeah, so I mean, that lift to rise, you know, was the kind of point I was going to raise because we recently chatted to the guys from 702 who came to the same realization that you clearly have, that you need to be positive about things. You, you know, you don't bury your head in the sand, but there has to be a positive narrative. And the positioning of 702 has shifted into walking the talk, mm. which I guess would be their equivalent of your lift to rise. So at a functional level, I'm, I'm just really excited about something uh, first that newspapers are playing a central role in community. I have a strong sense of, of the need for advertisers to support newspapers in communities without local community newspapers, without local radio stations for that matter. This, uh, you know, uh, democracy of ours is not going to go anywhere. So I think that's really encouraging. But coming back to the, the lift while we rise, the you know, component of it, are there guidelines on the webinar or on the website for how companies can engage with you or through the Herald uh, and the Dispatch in terms of the functional applications uh, of, of engaging with that process rather than just you know, attending a webinar? Uh, yes, absolutely. So you welcome, you know, people are welcome to go on our website and contact us through there. You can also um, speak to Tejal directly. Tejal leads our marketing division. She's our senior uh, branding, marketing and media consultant. And she really coordinates those two platforms um, and we host it. So it's around two aspects. The one aspect is from the, the Herald and Daily Dispatch side. Those are conversations that we believe are meaningful um, to our build better objectives in the Eastern Cape. And they kind of planned and positioned accordingly, open to suggestions on that from our listeners. Um, and then on the Lift As We Rise webinar, it has a twofold approach. The one being it's a paid to promote platform for businesses who want to talk about their business and showcase what they're doing. Um, and the other is a thought leadership platform 
similar to Business 360, but in this context, we're bringing more the unspoken voice, those big names, large corporates that, you know, those businesses that we don't often hear about, we're trying to bring the unheard voice in Lift As We Rise and share knowledge, share expertise, and really, really activate this principle of lift as we rise. What does that mean? So as we all are engaging in our own business models, driving our own purpose and profits, it's important that whilst we're doing that, in the best way we can, try and lift our ecosystem as we rise. That's not only the communities, but that's people working in your value chain, in your supply chain, your employees, um, everyone that touches your business in a direct or indirect way, what can we do to, by the time we finish those 45 or 60-minute conversations, impart some nuggets of knowledge that give people a different perspective and, more importantly, shapes a broader context? Uh, that's, I mean, that's wonderful. And, and again, you know, Gordon, as you and I always say, that this is very much a participation type podcast you know we don't want to just talk with interesting guests the whole time which we do and, we, and we've had a fantastic run this year of, of over 50 episodes so Roshni that's encouraging I'd, I'd, I'd get people you know if you if you are listening and you want to be part of the conversation please go onto the sites that, that Roshni has given you um, and and really be part of it you can learn something and also give something back Roshni now into next year can I look forward to seeing more of that are you guys going to continue that into 2021? Yes, absolutely. So 2020 has been really challenging for businesses, for individuals, for organizations, and for leaders in general, um, because it's been so intense. The intensity of 2020, kind of everything we had to pivot on was taken away from us externally. So we really all had to look internally. So this year, we spent quite a lot of time um, with clients, with organizations, with our ecosystem, really just trying to navigate through this year um, and not only focus on survival, but also saying, okay, let's look a little bit beyond the horizon and how can we make decisions today that will help you pivot, maybe not now, but when you're ready in the future. So I think those types of game-changing um conversations have been had and where there's appetite to implement those i mean we are engaging with those clients and those organizations um, and of course through this process we also took a careful look at our business and our value proposition and how things externally are changing and what do we focus on next year so focus was a key word for for us in 2020 and it certainly gave us the opportunity to sharpen our focus and then package uh, what we really are here to help clients do. So we have certainly looked at our product streams and packaged them. So we now have four defined packaged products. The one is Strat Capital. Strat Capital deals with uh, the formulation of strategies, business plans, business modeling, leadership, and then also stakeholder and investor relations. The second one is to say, okay, once we put the strategy and plan together, it's useless unless it's going to be executed in an effective manner. So the second product is called Astratex 4.0, and that is a project execution, project mobilization platform where we either work with business and business leaders or even the steering committees um, to ensure that the way we go about implementing uh, a plan ultimately meets the expected outcomes and objectives. 
and building accountability into that model. And whilst we're doing that, really focus on high-performance teams, organizational culture. The third one then is what we were talking about earlier, um, Stratcom, and that deals with branding, marketing, media, and of course the new thing is social media. And social media is a thing we've spent a lot of time with, interestingly, on SMEs over um, the last 11 months, 11, 12 months. Um, and that really was a brilliant pivot strategy for those, for example, FMCGs, QSRs, uh, retailers who could not operate. How do you go from your bricks and mortar type of setup to pivot using social media, looking at your aggregators, looking at online mechanisms? So Tejal is quite effective at doing that, and she's doing more of that at the moment. Um, and it really is so rewarding to see these businesses who are having very gloomy conversations about April May um, really starting to shine now. So we're quite proud, proud of that. And then the fourth pillar is um, Strat Connect, and that's what we spoke about earlier, where we host these webinars really to position um, and activate uh, change. That's great. Uh, Roshni, thanks very much for that. And I just uh, an apology, a little bit about the sound for, for our listeners. It's on a Zoom call, sir, but you can get the gist of it now. Just to get more of that, Roshni, can you please give us that web address again so that people can get on and have a bit of dwell time on your site? Yes, with pleasure. It's www.stratastute.co.za. Okay, great. And I mean, as we've always said, um, you know, get be part of the conversation, uh, and uh, and 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 hopefully, you know, you'll gain and give something. Roshni, just um, another interesting thing. I mean, you've had such a busy year. Just listening to you, uh, you were doing so many things, and then you also tell me uh, that you did a course at Harvard this year. So, just tell us a little bit about that. How did that come about, and 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 what what was the thinking behind it? Yeah, Doug, it was the most amazing thing and it unfolded in an unusual way. So, you know, you asked me to speak about leadership and that's uh, one of the things I think I'm still learning to do is how do you find balance in your life and running your own business as an entrepreneur. I think time becomes the most precious commodity um, and people all have their own way of finding balance. So, you know, earlier this year, I realized that I needed to do something different and just expand my own context. Um, and I had thought of doing further studies. And interestingly, in January, already, I had pinpointed what I'd like to do and where I'd like to do it. And by a sequence of events, um, in, second, in the second half of the year, I was really fortunate to get the opportunity to study at Harvard to do a business leadership course on a strategy, innovation, and uncertainty in turbulent times. Um, um, I'm glad to say that I was successful in completing that project, but more importantly, I mean, the people I connected with through the process um, and just looking at the global business context and how the challenges that people were facing at every level of business as we know it, so it can be in an organizational context, NGO, a big pharma, etc., big healthcare companies, big oil companies, um, that everyone struggles with finding the right formula, let's call it, on agility, on pivoting, on sustainable strategies, on risk management. Um, and so this course was exceptionally useful. Um, and, and, you know, my, my greatest intent now for 2021 is to you apply that knowledge and information to really 
um, support the building of sustainable businesses in South Africa. Because as we're going into a new normal, we're dealing with major uncertainty. And by definition, risk and uncertainty are synonymous. <clears throat> so the key thing one needs to look at now is that do we have the type of visionary, inspirational leadership, for example, like Mandela effect, um, the stronger together effect, to pull us into the next 10 years, into 2030, that for South Africa, South African businesses um, and people in South Africa to be more hopeful and to live more um, fulfilled and thriving lives across the board with inclusivity, of course. And, you know, given the fact that the Western Cape and now the Eastern Cape are facing a water crisis, our Western Cape has come through it, Eastern Cape's now trying to navigate through it. We've got issues around energy um, supply shortages that we need to tackle through renewables. Um, there's a whole vibrant economy blue sky opportunity waiting around um, the oceans and the marine economy. There's so much newness and freshness. And our government certainly is investing in things like the IR commission, looking at education, looking at the healthcare systems, and making it more equal. Remember, a country that has come with historic challenges. So it's going to be a long journey. And, you know, going into the next 10 years as a country, and that means each person in the country value chain, us running our own businesses, is going to have to be comfortable making decisions that are not only right for the short term, but that build sustainability over the long term. So that the Harvard study was really around what are the nuggets and what are the aspects around innovation, creativity, responsiveness that one needs to understand before one can pivot strategies. Well, well done. I mean, on that, and I look forward, uh, before I hand over to Gordon, I look forward to chatting with you into next year and beyond, in, as you say, in implementing some of, those, uh, some of those great ideas out of Harvard. Yeah, and I think, you know, I mean, obviously sustainability requires capital, and, you know, I think we're all sitting watching uh, the ratings agency, Fitch and S&P and Moody's firing a warning shot across the bow. So I guess that, that ultimately is going to be a, a major, major concern if we're not able to borrow um, and or repay, then you know any form of development, however well motivated it is, it's going to be difficult to do. So I don't want to end on a negative note, though. Um, but you know the, the mental health aspect of the challenge and just setting yourself personal challenges, I think, is something on which we should all maybe end the year, you know, uh, on a positive note. I mean, I saw that on a personal level and with some of my clients as well. Setting challenges has really, really been very rewarding. And as always, I think the key is to set yourself sustainable challenges. You know, uh, we've often said that there's, you know, no better way to destroy a bad product than, you know, faster than, you know, good advertising. So all the goodwill in the world and I'm watching television uh, with somebody getting a, a glass jar across the top of his head in the middle of the, of the local parliament. All these are negative messages that need to be addressed. Um, and, I, and I guess the ratings agencies look at this kind of stuff and, so yeah, let's all try and set ourselves challenges and uh, whatever the personal level is, just don't shout at the driver in the car next to you. I think maybe that's the kind of note on which we, we should be in. Be positive, be energetic and set yourself challenges. So um, 
Roshni, thank you for, for the time. Again, to the listeners, um, just apologies for one or two moments there where the feed wasn't all that good uh, coming in. And uh, Doc, we'll see you next week for, for the Christmas wrap-up. And yeah, thanks for being here, Roshni. Rock, I'm going to throw it back to the Doc. Yeah, Gordon, thanks again for, for another great episode. Roshni, thanks very much for your time today. I mean, there's just so many more things that I, Gordon's got on his notes and I've got that we'd like to discuss. But unfortunately, you know, time has run out. But again, you know, I urge our listeners to be part of the conversation. Get hold of uh, Roshni on her site. She's given it to you. And thanks again for your time. I really do appreciate it. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, Gordon. And also thanks to listeners. So please stay safe and have a break. And uh, yeah, we've got to implement next year. Great. See you next year. See you then. And so that was another episode of The Doc and the Guru. Please don't uh, forget to get hold of us on Facebook, like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Matthias. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond and hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Miller, the guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry.